You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive in all things Kentucky athletics. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. You can make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. On today's episode of Locked on Kentucky, we are going to be discussing yesterday's loss to the Vanderbilt Commodores in the SEC tournament. Very frustrating loss, but as I have recently, I am going to hit a refrain that I have discussed over the past week or so, and I'm going to say that Kentucky's going to be fine. And some of you may groan at that. Some of you may say, oh, here we go again with the irrational positivity I want to kind of give you my perspective and explain why, sure, some things are annoying, some things are frustrating, some things are just the way this team is. If we accept that and accept the fact that they are hot and cold now, I don't think we're going to necessarily be shocked at the outcome. I also want to take us back to what was happening earlier this season to kind of help give us some perspective. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, there is literally no reason why you should not be subscribed to this channel right now. I know that I've asked in the past. I know that I've begged. I know that I've pleaded. Today, it is not any one of those things. I'm just telling you, subscribe. It'll make your life a lot better. It's kind of a joke. All right, let's go ahead and get into it. 80-73 to was the final score in the SEC tournament. Again, one of the more frustrating losses. This could come down to a couple of different things. If you wanted to be straightforward in this one, you could say, Kentucky, if you make your free throws, you don't lose this game. If you say, Kentucky, if you actually protect the rim, you win this game. If you say, Kentucky, if you were a little bit healthier and you didn't have to rely on your entire starting five to get all of your points, maybe this game's a little bit easier. I don't know. Maybe if you say, Kentucky, if your starting point guard, who was officially returned from injury, by the way, great for Casey Mollis to be back in the lineup, doesn't go three for ten, you probably win this game. There are so many different things that you could point to that are just straightforward. Hey, look, here's a basic statistic. If you did not do that, you probably win this one. This was a competitive back-and-forth game that Vanderbilt eventually won because the Commodores are hot. Right now, they're just a a hot-shooting team. Offensively, they know what they want to do, and they're executing at a very high level, both shooting the three and getting to the rim. They shot 50-40-90 in this game. It was 49-40-90 in this game. That's very, very hard to do, Um, and I understand that Kentucky is not the greatest defense in the world. In fact, they're bottom half in the SEC in terms of defensive efficiency, but still, like this Kentucky team could have won this game. They absolutely could have, but they currently have some limitations, and they currently have some things holding them back. One of the things, like I mentioned a minute ago, is the fact that they got no production from their bench. Whenever I say they got no production, I mean the starting five played 39 minutes, 32 minutes, 39 minutes, 37 minutes, and 35 minutes. Those were the minutes for each individual player in the starting five. 
That was Jacob Toppin, Chris Livingston, Oscar Sheepway, Kaysen Wallace, and Antonio Reeves. They scored every single point that the Wildcats uh, scored in this one. Damian Collins got one minute in this game. One. Lance Ware got one minute in this game, and he had a turnover and two personal fouls. All I can say there is wow. And to, or Duthiero had two minutes, did not record a stat. C.J. Frederick had 14 minutes off the bench, missed his only shot, had an assist, a steal, a turnover, and two personal fouls, no points. If you're going to make a run in a one-and-done style tournament, whether that be the postseason with March Madness or whether that be the postseason with your conference tournament, you have to have depth. Or, at the very least, you have to have starters that can make their free throws. This has been an issue for Kentucky this season. This is something that we pointed out a little over halfway through the year. After Kentucky got that win over Tennessee, I'm like, hey, the Wildcats are actually starting to shoot a little bit better from the foul line. Now, it wasn't consistent every single game, but it was becoming more consistent. And here we saw in this one, the entire starting five, only three players took free throws. Cason Mollis and Chris Livingston didn't take any. Jacob Toppin went three for six. Oscar Shibway went five of eight. And Antonio Reeves went three of six from the foul line. That is a combined 11 of 20 for 55%. Vanderbilt, on the other hand, their entire starting five were the only ones that took free throws. And they went a combined 18 of 20 for 90%. You cannot afford to have poor free throw shooting, no bench depth, and two and two guards that did not shoot efficiently. Antonio Reeves had 22 points. He looked good at some points in this game, especially early. But what have we seen? We've seen Kentucky, with their hot shooters at times in the past, start to get worn down because they don't have anybody that can sub in and actually give some time that's valuable off the bench. Right now, I hate to say it, it's very difficult to say, outside of giving Antonio Reeves a breather, a Duthiero or C.J. Frederick do anything for this team that benefits them outside of giving their better players rest. They don't do anything. They, they literally didn't do anything. Statistically, Thiero in his two minutes did nothing. Frederick in his 14 took one shot, had an assist and a steal, but had, two, uh, had a turnover and two fouls. They didn't do any. They didn't really contribute. You're playing right now with five players against typically a rotation for the opposition that's somewhere between seven to ten. Lou Dort played four minutes in this game. Uh, Miles Studi played 19. Lewis played 18. Thomas played 15 off the bench for Vanderbilt. Now, sure, two of those players didn't do much statistically. I mean, Studi went 0 for, 6, or 0 for 6 from the floor. Goodness gracious. But 11 points from your bench is better than none for Kentucky. Right now, the Wildcats aren't healthy. That's clear. Even Coach Cal said in the postgame, Hey, Jacob Toppin's not 100%. He only had one practice this week. Which is just, it's crazy to me that this is the scenario. And while there are players on the bench that are healthy, Kentucky has opted 
to play the players that are not healthy over the players that are because they're just simply that much better. The depth on this team is not quality. It's limited. Lance Ware is a one-way player. He plays hard, but he's not great on the offensive end, and he's not great on the defensive end. He just plays hard. Damian Collins is bouncy and athletic. As of this point in his career, he has not proven the ability to shoot or handle the ball consistently at that power forward spot, and he has not done anything on the defensive end that would make me think in a starting role he could contribute as good as maybe even some of the freshmen that have stepped up over the past couple of years. Adu Thiero is somebody that I'm very intrigued with to see what his development looks like, but year one, you've got a lot of you've got a long way to go with him. As of right now, I think it's very clear what Kentucky is. Some people ride the emotional train of, oh, don't tell me that you're now talking about how awesome Kentucky is. You were dog- dogging them just a few weeks ago. And then all of a sudden, things like this happen, and they're like, this is the worst team. It's like Eeyore from, from Winnie the Pooh. It's like, guys, this is the worst team. They can't do anything. We lose every game. Oh, man. Like, you can't flip-flop back and forth. You have to have the understanding that this team will do that for you. This Kentucky team is hot, and they're cold. And because they don't have the depth to kind of have any sort of baseline consistency, they're never going to truly get to that elite national championship level. But, man... They can lose. They can bottom out. Even Coach Cal said it in the postgame. He's like, I know how I've been telling everybody we can beat anybody. But darn it, anybody can beat us too. That's the reality of it. I want to kind of dive deeper into this thought of what, what is Kentucky season. I want to look back on what we've seen from the Wildcats this year. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. And it's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. They've also got player props with rebounds, assists, steals, points, all that good stuff. So many more exclusive bets on top of that. Plus... FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So, don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. You can make every moment more with FanDuel, an official, uh, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, continuing along here on what is now the Saturday edition of Lockdown Kentucky. Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Listen, if you have not checked out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast with Andy Patton and Isaac Shade, I don't really know what you're doing. They are absolutely great over there, covering everything you need to know about college basketball. They have me on sometimes. They've had coaches. They have experts, insiders, everything you could possibly want to know about college basketball. They've got it going on over there. Uh, And again, I hop on every now and then as well to talk a little Wildcats and boy, I've been talking a good chunk of uh, Kentucky recently. So if you're looking for somewhere else to kind of get your college basketball scoop, 
I would highly encourage you guys after this episode to check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. So, Kentucky lost by seven yesterday to the Commodores. It's their second loss to Vandy in three games. If you'll remember, I said after the Vanderbilt lost the first go-round at home, I'm like, eh, it's all right. You know what? If you don't take 30 mid-range shots like you did last time, I think you're going to be just fine, right? And Kentucky ended up not being fine, and they didn't take what felt like half a million uh, mid-range jump shots. Now, they still made, they still took a decent, decent portion and only, only made, what, five of them, four of them? Out of what had to at least been 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. So still, um, offense that makes you want to vomit when it comes to shot selection at times. Uh, they, they, they couldn't get it done. The starting five couldn't get, get it done. Do you remember in the Florida game after Kentucky got that win? Do you remember me saying... It's great that Kentucky got the win, but this is not sustainable. I wanted people to know that whenever games like this came around. This is exactly what I was talking about. Kentucky doesn't have a bench because their players are either hurt or the players on the bench just simply aren't good enough to supplant and produce as good as some of these starters have, even when they're not healthy. That's the reality. You got five players right now that you can rely on. Five. Technically four for the Arkansas game. And Kentucky just managed to shoot well and draw a lot of fouls. That's what it comes down to. In that Florida game, though, I'm like, you cannot sustain this. So if you want to make a postseason run, you have to either get your players healthy or you have to figure it out on the the bench. You have to make these players play. And I don't think Kentucky is in a position to really do the latter. I don't really think they're comfortable 32 games into the season to really make that decision. Like, we're going to play Damian Collins 15 minutes. We're going to play Ware 10. We're going to play Thierro 15. We're going to play C.J. Frederick however many many minutes we need him to play. There's There's no more you can squeeze out of this team. You notice how Cal... Whenever things were going bad, started changing rotation, started started mixing and matching. He was trying to find the answer, right? And he's found the best answer he can find, it seems like. And I know some of you out there want to say, oh, he's an awful coach. He can't do this. He can't do that. And you know what? We sit here, and let's be realistic. Kentucky hasn't won an SEC tournament in how many years? Five? Going on six next season, Right? That's why I titled my show, uh, the most recent one, Kentucky Can Kentucky Finally Win the SEC Tournament, or at least the one on Wednesday. And some people will be like, finally, they've got 30 se-. I'm talking about recently because some of you are so fed up with Cal. But can, can they finally do it? It's been half a decade. If we're expecting this program to be what it is, you'd like to think that at some point they're going to get back to that and they're going to win it, you know, right? Right? I don't know. It's, a, it's just a, it's a situation with Cal where it's like, you know what? There are ups, there are downs this season. But as a collective, I think it is fair to praise and criticize him simultaneously. And you know, and I, I know some people are going to be going to say one of two things. They're either going to say that that's fence riding, fair, 
but they're also going to say that I need to have, that I need to have the the right opinion, which apparently there's a right opinion to have out there about Coach Calipari or Calipari or however you say it. I quite frankly don't really care. I'm trying to be as correct as possible, but we all know I'm talking about the same dude here. There was a moment earlier this season, and this is what I wanted to get to when I was saying uh, we wanted to. I wanted to kind of refrain earlier in the show. There was a moment earlier this season where Kentucky was 10-6 and six and 1-3 and in SEC play. There was so much criticism placed on this coaching staff and Coach Cal. Fairly so. It was, it was fair to criticize Coach Cal and this coaching staff and these players for having lost as many games as they had. There's no denying that. There's no arguing with that. There's no disagreeing with that. The team was losing. Therefore, something was going wrong. To be able to point that out is not a problem. Right? Right. Then, Kentucky started to turn things around. They finished the season 21-10. and 10. Now, granted, there were a couple of confusing losses still in there. You lost to Vanderbilt by two on senior day. You lost to Georgia. By what, seven? On the road, if I'm not mistaken. You beat Tennessee right after you you had what has to be your worst loss on the schedule to South Carolina. At home, no less. This team has had its moments. And whenever you say this, I'll say this program has had this moments where you can criticize it fairly so, and you can praise it fairly so. Coach Cal found the correct adjustment. He found the way to get the best lineup out there, the best lineups, and to get the most out of those lineups. Here's the problem, though. This roster is not perfect. Let's identify that. This roster is not perfect. And I don't want to sit here and say, this coaching staff as a whole whiffed on every single prospect that they had, or at the very least, they can't figure out how to get them to gel together because at some point, they did figure out how to get these kids to win. It's just never been pretty this season. Outside of maybe that game against Auburn, it's not been pretty. It's been a grind. Every single game that matters is a grind for this team. Part of that's coaching to get these players through it. Part of that is talent. There still is talent on this roster. But as a collective, as a unit, there, there are the positives there are the negatives. There's the roller coaster that Kentucky basketball has been this season. And you have to just accept the fact that they are what they are. If they win four or five games in the, in the NCAA tournament, if they make it all the way to the title game, cool. If they lose a game to start things off, you're going to see a couple of things. You're going to see Kentucky, as they have all season, struggle to protect the rim. They are going to shoot poorly from the foul line or three. They are going to have questionable shot selection, and their starting five is going to have to carry the load. That's what you're going to see. You're going to see a lack of depth. You're going to see questionable offensive decision-making, and you're going to see poor rim defense. How do we know that? Even in wins, it's what we've seen all season. Sometimes it works. Sometimes you shoot insanely well, and sometimes you don't. Thus is the game of basketball. If Kentucky had a more complete roster, maybe we would sit here and have a discussion about making a deeper tournament run. Maybe they do. I'm not, I'm not leaving that off the table. 
But but there are so many people out there that think that there's an objective opinion to have on Kentucky, and you can be positive, you can be negative. I've elected to be more positive than anything over these past few weeks, just saying, like, there's still, hang on, there's still a legitimate chance that something happens here, and there still is. But, guys, we cannot sit here and say Kentucky basketball is this. They are good. Kentucky basketball is bad. They're this. Because one way or another, the people that are on one side are going to get absolutely embarrassed come postseason. Come the NCAA tournament. Here in just a few days, it's about to happen. I don't think you guys, some of you, understand the situation. This is chaos. This is a chaotic team. This is a very difficult-to-predict team in terms of final result. You can understand the individual performances. You can understand what they're going to do. But sometimes it just surprises you the way that they lose or win some of these games. For instance, this most recent game. For Kentucky to shoot 42% from the floor, to shoot 24% from three, that's been uncharacteristic. To shoot 55% from the line, that's uncharacteristic. For Oscar Shibway and Jacob Toppin to go three for six and five of eight from the foul line, that's uncharacteristic. For Kentucky to grab 43 rebounds as opposed to Vanderbilt's 26 and still lose by seven is, is uncharacteristic. Kentucky almost grabbed as many offensive rebounds as Vanderbilt did total. The Commodores had 26 total rebounds, and Kentucky had 21 offensive, at least according to ESPN. That is nuts, to put it point blank. That is that is crazy. It's not the, the outcomes that we should be surprised about as a fan base. It's how it happens, right? At times, it shocks you how it happens. But as a whole, I want to reiterate for the final time, if you understand that this team is not something that you can predict in terms of wins and losses consistently, you'll find peace. We head into the NCAA tournament with hopes of a good draw. As of this morning, a couple of bracketologies have been updated. Actually, all of them have been updated. Kentucky has moved down to a seven seed in the South region, which is where Alabama is. They would play, according to Joe Lenardi, who has not been consistently the most accurate, but according to him, they would play USC in Des Moines, Iowa, before taking on what would likely be Texas in the second round. If you find a way to get up to that six seed line, that would be great. According to CBS, Kentucky is the worst seven seed in Jerry Palm's bracket, which boggles my mind just based on their resume. And some of you are going to say it's the South Carolina loss, it's, it's this, that, and the other. Look at some of the other teams that are above them that have quad four losses and tell me why they're higher. Look at Texas A&M, for instance. They have two quad four losses. They have a quad two loss, right? They're six and five against quad one opponents. As of right now, their net ranking is 24. Kentucky has a higher net ranking. They have just as many quad one wins. They don't have a quad two loss, and they have one less quad four loss. And yet, Texas A&M is an entire two seed lines higher 
technically A&M is the best five seed in Jerry Palm's bracket. Some of these, I, it, it just doesn't make sense. Also, Texas A&M's non-conference schedule was 200 and what? 256th? Kentucky's was 63rd. Their strength of schedule overall is 23rd. A&M's is 60th. I mean, what? I, I, I don't get that large of a gap, that large of a disparity between those two. Make it make sense. According to Bracket Wag, I talked about this on yesterday's episode, bracketw.a.g. You can see where every single uh, bracket projection website out there has all these different teams and their average seat, right? There's like over 100 brackets, at least according um, according to Bracket Wag. Most of them... Have updated. Like I would say 65 to 75% have updated. And Kentucky right now has an average seed in all of these projections of 6.26. If Kentucky gets a six seed, I think that's where you want to have them. You don't want to have a seven. You don't want to have a five. We've talked about this recently. I don't want to have to get back into it because it'd be a whole another episode or a whole other segment. 6.26. This is where we had oh, this is where we're at heading into selection Sunday. Tomorrow. I'm going to have a live stream while we're sitting here talking about where Kentucky is going to be seated, and we're going to talk about it while they announce the seeds. I'm going to try to at least. If you want to hop on, that'll be over on YouTube. We're also going to create a bracket challenge on ESPN for everybody to do. So I know some of you are interested in that, and I want to see how many people we can get together in a group. So make sure you stay tuned for that tomorrow. It's going to be a big day for a lot of conference championships. Very excited about it. I'm still looking forward to seeing what the draw is for the Wildcats because, again, I want to reiterate, they can win games in the NCAA tournament. It's just the inconsistency is the reality. The quicker we accept that, the better we're going to be. That's going to be it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. You can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky podcast questions comments concerns leave them in the youtube comments hit me on the socials i will see you all tomorrow for another episode of locked on kentucky hope you guys have a great rest of your day and god bless